Section 5 of Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truth of Religion, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Marie Christian. Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truth of Religion, Volume 2. By Father Louis D. Segur. The Easter Communion We shall not speak here of the real presence of our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. We have already discussed this great subject. But if ever a doubt with regard to it should arise in our minds, let it be sufficient for us to remember that the Son of God Himself has said, He who believeth in me hath everlasting life. Take and eat. This is my body. Drink ye all of this, this is my blood. These words alone are sufficient to disperse every shadow of doubt. But why does Jesus Christ come thus in the Holy Eucharist? Why does he descend upon our altars? Why does he travel thus divinely from heaven to earth? For one reason only. The Son of God, our Savior, comes to take possession of a sanctuary of a temple a thousand times more beautiful, a thousand times more worthy of him, than the temple at Jerusalem. And what can this temple be? It is your heart, your soul. Such is the temple that God has chosen. It is there he desires to descend. It is there that he loves to repose. What value, after all, in his most holy sight, have those tabernacles and sacred vases in which he is sheltered by our faith and love. He is the living God. And these temples, these ciboriums, these altars, what are they but metal and stone? What he desires is a temple, living even as he lives, capable of being enlightened with his light, which is the spiritual and invisible light of truth, capable of being enkindled with the sacred flame, which is no visible fire, but the spiritual and immaterial fire of love. Such are the worshipers that God desires, worshipers in spirit and in truth, as he has said in the Holy Gospel. Therefore, reasonable creatures, capable of knowing and loving him, and of entering into participation with his divine life, Jesus Christ comes, therefore, in the Holy Eucharist to make our souls and bodies the living sanctuaries of God. But in order to correspond to this inestimable benefit, there are, on our part, two things necessary. First, we must communicate. Second, we must communicate well. First, we must communicate. Without this, the design of God is made of no effect. It is for us that our dear Lord is present there. It is not for himself, for he has need of nothing, and is infinitely happy. But it is out of pure mercy and compassion for us. There is also the obligation under pain of mortal sin to communicate at least once a year, and that at Easter. This is what we call our Easter duties. And just as the festival of the Pasch formally united the Jews of one common family year by year at the same religious banquet, 
Even so among Christians, who are the true people of God, the great paschal solemnity in which the church celebrates the mysteries of the passion, death, and triumphant resurrection of the Savior should gather together all the members of the Catholic family around the sacred banquet of the Holy Eucharist. Therefore, whoever fails to fulfill his Easter duties commits a grievous sin, and if he persevere in this state of spiritual death, runs a great risk of losing the faith or falling into hardness of heart and final impenitence, and lastly, of becoming, throughout all eternity, the prey of the second death by being forever separated from God in the terrible flames of hell. Second, it is also necessary to communicate well. To communicate well is to receive Jesus Christ present in the Holy Eucharist with a pure conscience, a sincere desire, and a firm resolution of being henceforth faithful to God by the assistance of His grace. To make a bad communion is to receive the Blessed Sacrament into a soul defiled with mortal sin and without the firm resolve of being for the future God's true and faithful servant. To make a good communion is to perform the holiest actions and the greatest of all the good works possible to man in this world. To make a bad communion is the greatest sin by which man can offend his Savior and his God. To make a good communion is to receive joy and consolation, peace of heart and conscience, the warrant of final perseverance and of everlasting life. To make a bad communion is to draw down upon oneself both judgment and condemnation, to sign with one's own hand the sentence of eternal woe, to renew the crime of Judas, and to provoke the malediction of the sacrilegious. Therefore, go to communion but communicate well. You are placed between three alternatives. First, to make a good communion. Second, to make a bad communion. Third, not to go to communion at all. And to make a bad communion is almost the same as not to communicate at all, for it is to kill the soul. To die because we do not eat is almost the same thing as to die because we have swallowed poison. The result is the same death. Of these three roads, two lead to hell. One only leads to heaven. Therefore choose. Communicate at Easter, but in order rightly to fulfill this great and holy duty, prepare yourself by prayer, by spiritual reading, and by good works as far as you are able. Go to confession some time before, especially if you are of the number of those who have delayed. Do all you can, and God will supply the rest. Peace to men of good will. When you leave the holy altar after having fulfilled your Christian duty, you will be perfectly happy, and your soul will be at peace. Oh, if I had only known how simple it was, and how happy it makes you, said a poor workman who had stayed away from the sacraments for twenty-nine years. I would never have waited so long. End of section 5